Welcome to V'ger, please, a hateful voyage for the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. And uh, welcome back from the moving saga that you had to go through, Peter. I, I was with you in spirit. But not physically, because uh, moving is for suckers. Yeah, and I had to move in like the worst thunderstorm I think I've seen in quite a while. It's like everything stacked against us. It was, and still continues to be a pain in the ass. I got boxes and boxes and boxes of shit to unpack. Dude, I I uh, I got bad news. You'll be unboxing shit for like the next five years. At this rate, it'll probably be ten. I've even set like my real computer up because I know I'll just be sitting there playing Heroes of the Storm or Witcher Three or something and not unpacking boxes. So I'm on like this little commando away team laptop right now. I appreciate your uh, your commitment to Sparkle Motion though, and then you still fit us in. Let's let's take a second to let people know how we're going to handle uh, Threshold because we teased last week that we had something special planned, and just to let everybody know. Obviously, Threshold being really the the special event that it is, the singular moment in Voyager history that it is, deserves a little extra tender loving care. So what Peter and I plan to do is we're going to actually get together, watch it together, and then record a podcast together in the same room, which we have not actually done in 30 episodes of this. So we figure what an opportunity for us to do something a little different and uh, give it the TLC it truly deserves. Speaking of TLC, uh, our iTunes score. We got a lot of people coming on, and uh, word of mouth is working very well. We appreciate it. The nice thing about word of mouth is, of course, you know, you're bringing in people who you think are going to enjoy, and I think we've got a very strong uh, listener base right now. Uh, but if you're sitting on two extra minutes of time during the day and you want to screw around on your company's dollar, uh, if you guys could swing by iTunes and leave us a rating, that would be deeply appreciated. I think we've got two on there right now. And uh, as much as I don't care about Apple, it seems like iTunes is uh, a pretty big deal when it comes to the, sci- or the podcasting stuff. So attention there would be, again, deeply appreciated. We really appreciate everybody that's come along lately. Um, from folks that started listening from the Trek BBS board that I, I located and pitch the podcast to them to random facebook groups and subreddits and what's been your worst experience to date on this because when (laughs) i'm in the middle of this move thing you just hit me with an im like i went on a new voyager subreddit or something it was not a good time and i'm just like man the ball's on you (laughs) i i'd say the trek bbs board was my toughest one to date because those guys are all hardcore and, uh, you know, I gave the initial pitch and in, in my first two responses were, we're not going to like it here because we're hardcore Voyager fans and we don't like people who don't like the show. And uh, I won them over a little bit with my charm and explaining, you know, the perspective and actually got some people to listen and some people who, who really glommed onto it and have become fans. So now I will leave no stone unturned, Peter. I will shill anywhere I can find <laughs> to get people to listen Joe is shameless. Uh, this I know it, for it sure. Is. This is shameless. I'll admit that. Did anybody call the title quote unquote problematic? No, actually, uh, for the most part, people kind of like it. I think, uh, as I always say in response to comments about the title, it's a litmus test. If you think the title's funny, the show is for you. If you don't, stop right now and don't listen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's well, perfect for that very reason. 
I look forward to bragging about it. You know, anytime I get a couple of drinks in me and I'm around other nerds, <clears throat> as I discovered in a, just about every convention setting I've been in since we started the podcast, I, I like to get drunk and brag about our <laughs> dozens of listeners out there in Voyager land. I'm going to be going to Dragon Con here next week. I am super pumped about that. That'll be my second Dragon Con I've gone to, and I've been working with uh, one of our friends of the show, Nate, on our costumes for it. So I think uh, one of the days I'm going to bust out the old trusty original series command shirt and, and rock that. It's always fun running into other Starfleet people around big drunky cons, but... Hey, have a good time, man. Uh, I This will go up right as you uh, enter the Atlanta area, so... You know, if you're a fan of Eager Please and you happen to be a Dragon Con, look for this, you know, blonde, sloppy drunk dude from Columbus. Balding. That's Peter. Dude trying to suck in his, his dad bod, cram himself into some old original series shirt, and, and I'll be I'll be your Huckleberry. Speaking of Huckleberries, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Speaking of villains, uh, what we watched this week, my friend? So, again, we've skipped Season 2, Episode 15, which is Threshold, and we've proceeded to Season 2, Episode 16, Meld. What'd you think, Peter? Did you like it? I've got about half a page of notes, and that's either usually a really good... No, it's usually... Yeah, it's it's always really good. The bad episodes, I go pages and pages. The best episodes, I can go pages and pages. This one, I got about half a page. This was a solid watch. I, th- I thought that you would like this one. This one I had a strong memory of. It was fun rewatching it, but it's a really cool idea that they had with this. There's some lore to this episode that I think is worth discussing in advance because this is some. There's a lot that went out. Okay, I'm gonna really show you my nerd cred. I used to subscribe to the Star Trek fan magazine. Of course, that's what got me into it. And uh, this was back. It's in my defense before the internet was really a robust information source about really anything. And so that's how you got like the inside scoop about anything. And there was a whole bit about this episode and there were the division among the producers not really wanting to do it. Some people thought it was too far. It was too dark. Went to, to too bad a place. Uh, and others were very in favor of it. And one of the producers really pushed for it. Now, I don't remember who did what, and I imagine if we looked at Memory Alpha, this information's in more detail there, but you know, this this was uh, not a, a well-loved idea uh, when it was conceived, but it was definitely one of the more like gripping performance-based episodes. I really enjoyed re-watching it. I've got no real complaints about it. It went by quick, and I'm going to say this episode and the last one we watched, which was... Um what alliances correct they fit a lot of episode into that 45 minutes and it's funny because the bad voyager episodes you're just watching the clock like man when is this fucking thing over and the good episodes it's like they can fit an entire encyclopedia recital into one of these episodes and it goes by in like two minutes it held it held up well and it even held up well in context of what tv is today which is i think a greater compliment Yes. Like, this is the sort of thing that could pass muster in 2018. I don't think it's the best we've seen it, in terms of the writing and performances. 85 to 90% there for com- for, for present day. And that's good. So start us off, man. Where, where, where do we open this bad boy up? Yeah, so we start 
at Big Tom's Discount Sex Farm. We start with uh, Tom and, and Harry shooting pool. In fact, for this episode, Tom and Harry are only seen in context of the uh, of the sex farm. Tom is trying to pool hustle Harry. And Harry immediately falls for the pool hustle. Because of course he does. And one of one of Tom's sex puppets is trying to convince Harry not to fall for it, but he does anyway. But really, Tom is using this... Uh, as a sort of uh, Trojan horse to a bigger idea. And that's running an illegal lottery. I'm going to go back to the concept of these holodeck characters as something other than like background NPC, because Paris is literally draped off of, I I don't know which character it is, but she's kind of like poking holes in Tom's story and exposing the pool hustle for what it is. And, and basically playing like babysitter to Kim through this whole thing. Like, yeah, you know, you're getting suckered. You're getting con. But Paris is draped off of her. His tongue is in her mouth. He's kissing her left and right. I don't know how I feel about my coworkers just up on these J.O. fantasy bots like that. It, like PDA, you know, public displays of affection are bad enough. But it, it's like this takes it to a whole new level. And there's a ton of crew in this holodeck, too. There's like 12 other crewmen and they're chilling out tom is a bit of an exhibitionist he does not care who knows he is fucking these sex toy holograms yeah like yeah see he does now is this because tom's just a perv or is this because the 24th century has just got such a liberalized view of both holodecks and sex that no one gives a shit could be a bit of both could be a bit of both Holodeck is new technology, but I think, especially when you look at the early episodes of Next Gen, particularly the one where Wesley goes in the do not walk part of the grass, like that was like a whole weird, like sexy boys of Brazil, Aryan farm planet. Remember? Oh, yes. (laughs) Like they are super loosey goosey with their with their sex views. So let's go ahead and chalk it up to that, I guess, if we're going to go with longevity on this. All of this, by the way is what arguably the the b-plot yeah it is what passes for the b-plot in this episode uh, and it's uh not there's there does not appear to be much to it now um i don't want to okay so this isn't just bottle bullshit because as it yeah. stands in this episode all of this is the worst part of the episode that feels completely irrelevant to what is otherwise a very gripping story and there's like zero connection between these two storylines, which I thought was very odd. Do you think that this was initially not part of this episode and they specifically added it because it was going to be a growing point for something later? That could very well have been the case, to be honest. Uh, you'll see in time where this is going. And so uh, as far as like shooting it later or, or tacking it on or whatever, that could have very well ha- I mean, it is so disconnected from everything else that that wouldn't surprise me. Or maybe it was purposefully, you know, put into this episode. I don't know. But uh, otherwise, there's no connect. The characters, the events that occur here doesn't matter. And really, there's not much to it. Let's summarize the whole thing basically with this. Tom runs an illegal lottery. He eventually he's skimming off the top and and obviously profiting from it and not giving a shit and being a rogue. Eventually, Chicote busts him and dresses him down, and he acts shitty back. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. 
here's where I thought the connection was going to be because it starts off with this pool hustle and he's like, hey, we're going to do this lottery and the lottery will be um, guessing some sort of radiation level outside at you know a given moment tomorrow and whoever gets you know picks the right number wins all the stuff in the pot. And what I what was funny was he programs a computer to have like this real cheesy like there's no winner today, but come back tomorrow. Uh, if you don't play, you can't. Or if you don't pay, you can't play. So something cheesy like that. And hearing the ship's Elcar voice go into that was pretty funny. What I thought though was that he was going to rig this game so he won. And, and I thought that he was going to go and fuck with the sensor somewhere so he could produce false readings. So when we jump into the next scene, which is uh, Torres in engineering, she seems to be scratching her head about some sort of weird reading she's getting. And she calls on uh, Hogan. And you remember Hogan from uh, the Alliances episode. He's oh, one yeah, of the... the one that one that told Janeway to just give up all the goods to the Kazon because they're tired of getting shot at. Yeah. So he's one of the Maquis crew members that was just like, yeah, give them whatever they, they want. F- those those space apes Fuck want. It, give them hand jobs. I don't give a shit. I want to live. Yeah, they want transporters and fucking you know food replicators. Who gives a shit? Let give them the technology of curtains while you're at it. But he's like, uh, I don't know what's going on, and she starts poking around. So again, I, I was like, okay, this lottery thing's uh, obviously gonna make Paris look bad, and he's been fucking around with sensors, and he's about to get caught. But that's not the case. We cut over to Tuvok, who is getting harassed by Neelix, who's trying to make him smile in some very unwelcome Neelix annoyance moment here. They start talking about some goofy, uh, old, sexy time Vulcan holiday, but Taurus calls Tuvok, tells her I mean, it's worth pointing out that it's like, it, it would be like if some alien approached you and me about celebrating an ancient Roman pagan holiday that no one knew anything about and was like thousands of years old. No one has, you know, observed it in any serious way since then. Like, it's kind of funny to, to think that Neelix is so incompetent in understanding other people, people's culture that he didn't quite pick up on that, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a pointless conversation. I don't know, man, if it was between celebrating sweetest day or some sort of like badass Roman, vomitorium centric pagan sex ritual i'd be willing to hear neelix out i think this is not to say that that idea doesn't have its own appeal mm-hmm. you know to sex starved 24th century you know starfleet officers in the delta quadrant but not a culturally accurate statement on his part and actually come to think of it like neelix is very much pushing the greased up sexy time angle specifically (laughs) he's got needs that are not apparently being addressed (laughs) well she's two all right get off his case (laughs) he does want to have a conversation from someone from dateline anyways so tuvok gets called down to engineering this was the first head scratcher for me he's like uh taurus what did you want she just kind of like points like you know go look for yourself in the old access panel over there tuvok pops his head in the hole in the wall and you see what looked to me like a severed arm just laying there. In fact, it's not a severed arm. It's a full arm that ends up being attached to a body. And there's just a dead dude shoved in the fucking wall. There is indeed. You don't really ever see the body. It's just in a bag by the time they cut to uh, to sick bay. The doctor quickly lets Tuvok know it's it's a murder. This guy was, was murdered. He, he 
here's uh you know csi starfleet here's how we know he got murdered so go investigate if you're torres and you just find a dead starfleet guy jammed in a wall locker is tuvok really the first guy you're gonna call like this is crazy this is what the first legit death i think we've had that hasn't been due to some sort of alien attack or or you know for all you know at that point maybe that was an alien attack i mean this is a big deal you got crew dead with you know not a red alert condition going on here yeah i mean this should definitely uh alert her but when she called tuvok down they didn't know it was a murder it was just like there was a dead body in here and indeed tuvok's assumption before the doctor disabuses him of it is that this was an accident so if that's tuvok's assumption it's probably everyone's assumption he hit his head fell down into that uh into the conduit and you know burned to death and that's why he's dead it was an accident osha regulation blah 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 joke insert here so i get it you know like i don't even think even bolano would expect to oh yeah i better not call the the popo because i got a i got a body in my workplace and they're gonna start there's gonna be this whole situation because it's gonna be a murder not all she might have thought oh no terrible workplace accident fuck it's about this time my heart starts sinking and i start getting flashbacks from the shithead episode where i'm like oh god now we're gonna have to deal with you know detective tuvok solving a murder in the most boring and terrible <laughs> way possible <laughs> What if we make a noir story except the detective has no fucking charisma? A question nobody should ever ask. Fortunately, they don't do that. Let me juxtapose this real quick for you. Because it dawned on me while I was watching this thing. Like the, 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 This portion that we're going to be coming up on is essentially a whodunit. And jumping back to the last time we had to deal with Detective Tuvok, the main focus of the episode was on Paris being forced to relive the video footage of him killing this other man over and over and over again. And I was like, Oh, video footage when only three episodes ago in prototype, as you pointed out much to my chagrin that there's fucking security cameras just chilling out all over <laughs> engineering right there on the yeah. robot. man. Yeah, there are right there. So let's skim oh. past the whole thing where I, you know, have been ranting online about, <clears throat> And who was it that that brought up, uh, you know, his counterpoints to the uh, was that Jack? Yeah, I think it was one of our listeners, Jack. You know, he, he threw some good personal boundaries and sense of privacy uh, arguments up on the support group about why embedded communicators and life sensors and all that other stuff might not fly in the 24th century. But again, a good a good case of, hey, someone died on the ship, you know, damn well that the ship's life sensors should be able to detect this stuff why didn't like you know klaxons go off and security or site to site you know whatever you know beam the fucking guy right into med bay and let the the doctor necromancer life tap him back into play i will say just to, to feed back into what jack wrote um you know you made some good points about how the practicality of subdermal communicators outweighs their privacy concerns and i was thinking about that and i rewatched i've been rewatching more tng just because after the picard news came out i've been super hype of course and there was sure as shit like an episode i watched where they got the mintakin you know proto vulcan bronze age dudes where ray wise plays one of them and what are they using subdermal communicators because the mission called for it like uh, uh, 
Absolutely. Eh, it's just lazy writing. It's really all it's why that's the case. That's really the reason. You know, yeah, I get it. The technology makes good stories impossible because with enough technology, you can prevent anything. But whatever. So Torres and Tuvok and Janeway and uh, Chakotay are sitting around talking about now that they have confirmation that this dude got cracked in the back of the head with a pipe and that it was not, in fact, the circuit electricity that killed him. Right. Who could be responsible? And they look at the duty roster. They name Lon Suter. Lon Suter. And Torres and uh, Chicote both look like someone just popped a thumb up their ass. They're like, ooh. Yeah, and, and they, they fess quickly to why and say, yeah, so Suter never did anything actually wrong. But whenever we were murdering Cardassians... He was really into it. <laughs> I mean, like, he was like, we would kill Cardassians because we're terrorists. And we didn't feel good about it. He really just enjoyed his work. And that kind of made us a little uncomfortable. Made us Ch- a little weird. Chakotay even says that, you know, there was one time he had to pull him off because he was going too far. And this guy turned to look at him and Chakotay was sure that he was going to get killed next. I did love the shit that, I mean, Tuvok kicks Chakotay directly in the dick when Tuvok asks, so why exactly didn't you ever mention in your crew reports that this guy might be, you know, a touch of murdery? And he said, well, you know, you never did anything wrong and I don't put gut feelings into my, uh, into my reports. And then Tuvok's like, well, Considering you had a boat full of known criminals and violent terrorists, uh, actually, you really fucking should have done that. That's information we should have fucking had, Commander. The words what? he uses, I believe, were outlaws, mercenaries, and sociopaths. Yes. This, <laughs> this is one of the best world-building scenes that we have gotten out of Voyager to date. It puts a lot of depth into the Maquis as an organization, into violence in the 24th century. Uh, you know, re- remember now that Tuvok had been infiltrating the Maquis vessel, so he didn't really see what they were talking about, but it's because he had never been around combat before. A lot of rich questions come out of this scene. How many people exactly have Chakotay and Balana murdered each? You know, yeah, they're they're nasty Cardassians or whatever, but that stuff still has to weigh heavy on people. And a big part of this episode will later boil down to talking about capital punishment and, you know, what is the right way to punish someone who has murdered another um, sentient being. And in this meeting, you know, Bolana and Chakotay are both basically confessing to being murderers. And, and granted, it was for, you know, their, their Maquis terrorist principles or whatever but that's a big deal keep in mind star trek like usually everybody on the bridge crew is like lawful good and now we're talking about self-acknowledged murderers and you know again what is in the ranks of the maquis wouldn't that be the perfect place for for murder psychos to gravitate to in the 24th century you're not going to get with that shit on earth or wherever your home world's from in the federation but then you find out about you know old space al-Qaeda going on on the outer rim up against the the Cardassians. <laughs> like, well, shit, I don't really care about any of these colonists, but if I could just 
gouge people's eyeballs out and like try and suck their brain out through the the occipital cavity sign me up i think that uh ds9 did a good job with this too uh you know major kira who's the second in command and obviously major character her whole backstory is that she's a terrorist also killing cardassians and there's actually quite a there's quite a few times where her terrorist murdering history uh, comes into to direct question uh from other characters as well uh hell there's an episode where dax straight up asks her how many people she's killed so this is an untread ground perhaps entirely for star trek but it still should is uncomfortable as fuck for all of these these uh starfleet do-gooders to to have these guys in the ship and as the as the doctor will later reveal all of the maquis have strong violent tendencies they were in fact terrorists after all so they would expect them to have stronger violent tendencies they are violent people doing violent things regularly and it it throws that question out there of how much can you really trust them and um i uh i liked that they they lingered on that a bit in this episode not too much you know, it is still Star Trek. It's still network TV. This is still 1996. I'm not expecting too much, but the fact that they went there at all with any depth was commendable. Also, too, this episode does a good job calling back to earlier information. Again, the meta story of Voyager. And there is going to become a heavy focus on the fact that Tuvok was, you know, a spy sent by Starfleet to essentially rope everybody on that Maquis vessel into jail. So the very next scene is when we finally get to see who Suter is, because he's coming in for little talky interrogation time with Tuvok. And this guy, he looks like a dude who gets murdering. They 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 picked the right guy. He's got these blacked out contacts in that make it look like he's got these giant murder eyes. And uh yeah, yeah, this guy looks like Jeffrey Dahmer in space. I mean <laughs> This it's this this motherfucker did it. <laughs> There's no doubter. Yeah, it's, it's a two box office or his security office. Like for whatever reason, as soon as they are ready to start dealing with this suitor guy, lighting goes nuts. It's like every third light is turned off in two box office. He's got some sort of severe Vulcan war, wall art, and uh, they bring him in as you said, space Dahmer. And man, just. Let's get racist here for a minute. Beta Z guys, Beta Zoid, is it Beta Z or Beta Zoid? Beta Z. Beta Z. Beta Z guys are the fucking worst. Like you said, they get these uh, those Hellraiser contacts in. And I don't know, maybe I just never noticed it on Troy before. Or maybe it's because Troy is half human. Um, but I, I guess I never really noticed it on Luxana. But every fucking guy we meet that is a Beta Z is a piece of shit or worse. Let's, yes. Let's let's go through the list here, all right? I'm going to start us off with Devani Rawl. He was part of the wormhole negotiations out of Next Gen. He tried to God, he tried so running rapey. His... The rapiest. He's just God, he was he's me talk about a me too problem in space. Oh. I like that. I like the actor too. He would go on later to do um oh, I don't remember the guy's name, but he's the lawyer and have you watched Silicon Valley at all? Yes. He's the disgraced lawyer they get on discount who's been disbarred, but they still use him for legal advice. Yes. I like that guy a lot. He plays a good straight. Um, 
then you've got, uh, of course, everybody's favorite uh, bipolar psycho, Tam Elbram, who was involved in the Tin Man incident with the Romulans. He didn't kill anybody, but he was... Uh, Maybe he did kill people once he finally merged. He did completely derail the entire Federation effort to recover Tin Man. And then you, of course, have the psychic imprint dude that was left behind. The, the next gen episode where uh, Troy's walking by a bulkhead and she starts getting flashbacks of someone getting murdered in right. the uh, Enterprise's warp nacelle. And I think that's really cool when, you know, they show the parts of the ship. You always wonder, like, what the hell is in there? Uh, so, yeah, the the one... Beta Z guy kicked another dude into like, I don't know, some warp bubble reaction or something into the cell and incinerated him. Oh, that's so, right. Uh, that's the one where like she hooks up with Worf in her dreams. Yeah, that was I thought that was a really good one. Anytime, that, was, that was a good Troy episode, which is, you know, not something you can say every time. No, uh, most of the time you can't. We I just joined that uh, Star Trek ship posting meme group on Facebook. Oh, cl- wonderful. High quality content. Someone put a post or a poll up on there, you know, who's worse, Troy or Cass? And I was like, man, that's fucking brutal. And then I stopped and I thought about it. And I'm like, you know, based on everything I've seen so far, like Cass ain't that bad. And Troy's had some real low points. And I went in there and everybody's just shitting on Cass hard. And I was like, man, do I suck? <laughs> have, <laughs> well, have okay, I straight okay. from the path? Here's the thing. I don't think Cass is terrible. I also think Troy's a better character over the seven seasons, she has some really great moments and really great episodes. I think it's just that, uh, Voyager sucks. Voy- yeah. Voy- Kess, Kess looks better than she probably is because she is so much better than the things around her. It's, you know, it's that re- relativity thing. Like freaking Miranda Sirtis has to compete with Patrick Stewart. I mean, that's yeah. not fair. That's not fair at all. I, I, like I said before, I've been going back and watching some TNG episodes. It is crazy how much better that show is. <laughs> it really put things in perspective. Like, I'm glad I did because I think it, it turned down my praise for for this episode here. Like, I saw the weakness in it a bit more after going back. And, you know, the there's some good Troy episodes. You named one where, where she's playing psychic CSI. There's the one where she's the Romulan and gets abducted to be a spy. And, yeah. There's some good stuff there. I think the real weak link on TNG was actually Crusher. I think there was very little redeemable that they ever did with her. But 50% of the episodes that Troy is in, it's her babysitting some other weirdo Betazoid guy. And I, again, I don't, can you tell me like DS9, do they ever really have a Betazoid dude in there who is not waiting to kill? They really don't go down the Beta Z route except in reference and passing they've they they've got too much other shit going on well anyway so uh what's his name soren the guy we're talking about lon, lon Suter. Suter, yeah so Suter gets uh no at this point he's already confessed it hasn't he no no so he goes in and he's got hello i like to take faces off of people and wear them while dancing in my boxers written all over his face. Like if they had just, if Tuvok had just turned around and like, you did it phaser. Like I, I think everyone would have understood this guy just gives it off and he denies it, but he denies it in that way that people deny things when they did it on television. Do you watch law and order? No. On law and order. When the guy who did it gets accused of doing it, he doesn't say I didn't do it. He says, well, are you accusing me of doing it? Because you don't have any evidence I did it. 
Yeah, he does do that, doesn't he? He does. He does. He does the, I didn't do it by virtue of the fact that it cannot be proven that I did it defense, which is not a defense, which is basically an admission. Tuvok is, uh, does his usual, like, charmless detective thing and eventually lets him walk, but basically, you know, says to himself, yeah, okay, this guy probably did it. They don't linger long, though, because the next scene, the doctor slides him a pad with DNA evidence from inside the dead guy's wound that Suter did it. So he goes off with uh, another security officer and they confront Suter directly. He hands over the pad and just basically standing there and Suter puts his head up on his mouth and paces back and forth. Now they're in Suter's quarters, by the way. Tuvok's interrogation room was looking a little a little hot topicy. Like Suter's room is like full on haunted house. This guy's got <laughs> a closet light on, like two rooms over, and it's just dark shadows everywhere. He yeah, he he paces around and he's just like, Well, I guess there's no point in, you know, denying it. Yeah, it was me. I did it. He actually manages to disturb Tuvok, which is where the episode takes a turn towards greater quality. And then he basically just explains, I did it because I felt like it. I did it because I wanted to. It, 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 there's no reason, there's no motive, there's no rational, logical explanation. He just didn't like the way that he looked at him. That's that was the deepest point. We're, we're grazing over a couple things here. Um, there is a little bit of aggression towards Tuvok earlier on in the first interrogation scene and getting back to some of the callbacks they do in this episode, like it comes up again here. Where he's like, you know, what was your motivation for going after this guy's like, I, I didn't really have any, like the deepest understanding we could have here is that I didn't like the way he looked at me. You know, I, I thought about killing you before and Tuvok's like, well, you've got motivation because I'm your accuser here. And because I was spying on you before, you know, on, uh, <laughs> the unnamed space hoopty that Chakotay was rolling around <laughs> right. with. Tuvok really tries digging hard here, and Suter is just, you know, the best thing he can say is, I wanted to kill him, I did, and also, uh, by the way, there's a hydro spanner or something <laughs> that I cracked him in the back of the head with, and I stored that behind uh, a vending machine up on deck five or something. You know, I snuck up behind him, he didn't even hear me, I cracked him in the head and, uh, you know, he was dead before he even hit the floor. Tuvok goes to the doctor and Kess to talk it over. And this is where some some stuff we touched on before comes up, which is the doctor and Kess laying out for Tuvok. Yeah, uh, he, he has violent sort of, you know, uh, little markers in his uh, profile that we worked up, but... All of the Maquis have those markers. They weren't special. Like there was nothing that they had that demonstrated to them prior to this that that Suter was going to be Space Dahmer. And the, they they tease out that like all the Maquis have this same sort of violent impulse. It's why they were they were fucking sociopathic terrorists to begin with. Basically, they intonate that uh, 24th Century Federation technology they can forecast mental illness off of uh, medical scans and that he didn't come back. I, th I think it was like something much more, I don't know, basic or lower, lower weighted information that they had, uh, but nothing, there was no striking 
signs of mental illness and that, you know, just some people are shitty murderers and, and that's that. They're, they're real nonchalant about it. The whole crew is real nonchalant about it. Yeah, the doctor, and I get, yeah, he's not a person. He's built to be like one. And he kind of lays it out like that, saying this is not surprising that, you know, there would be somebody that's in the Maquis who would not have control of these impulses because all of the humanoid species have the, these impulses, even Vulcans. You're just really good at hiding it. It's it's part of being humanoid. And Suter just is, has no capacity to control his the way, you know, normal people do. I want to talk about some stuff they start falling short on in my book. You have a Maquis dude who just killed a guy who's got three sisters and a family. This is Maquis killing Starfleet. And Suter also says, like, they'll go on to interview. You know, Tuvok's not going to leave this thing alone. He goes down to the brig. It's the first time, I believe, that we actually get to see the brig on Voyager because certainly Janeway has never exercised it before when Tuvok or Chakotay has gone completely off the rails. Tuvok has this itch he can't scratch. He's looking for a greater purpose here. And he goes down and starts interrogating Suter again, trying to look again for deeper meaning that just isn't there. And he says, you know, most of Starfleet looked at me this way. It was just today I let the I let the monster out and, and peeled him off a fresh one. But you have your first, we've talked before, there's got to be a huge gossip circle on a ship as small as Voyager. And now you've got, what everybody's been worried about, and it is these Maquis terrorists really starting to pull some shit on the Federation ship where they've been welcomed in with open arms, given Starfleet uniforms. And now I think you've got what should be the seeds for a fucking riot. Oh, and to make it worse, the Maquis knew this guy had a screw loose. Nobody ever brought any of this up to anyone, even to Janeway. And it's Starfleet paying the price for it. And you don't get any sort of crew connection on any of this. I completely agree that there seems to have been no consideration for Starfleet ever really reacting to the Maquis ever. We always hear about the Maquis trying to fit into the Starfleet way. The most heat we've ever seen from Starfleet pushing back is what? Joe Carey? Yeah. You know, that, that that one time in one episode, uh, maybe a little bit when the, uh, in the first Seska episode, the first real Seska episode, like that's it. And you're right. What where was that drama of the Starfleet people playing? Like, I don't know if I can trust these guys. Maybe that's because they didn't feel like that wouldn't be Star Trek. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it, it would make more sense to me if the Starfleet people were super understanding because they're from that utopian place. Yeah. And so they're, they're not going to go there and judge everyone. Like that's what they're supposed to be, but it would have been nice at least to acknowledge that, that natural suspicion that they should have. And then someone, maybe Harry Kim, maybe, you know, maybe something like that saying that, you know, the Starfleet officers aren't going to judge the Maquis like that because they don't judge people, everyone on the basis of one person. They, you know, all, there could have been a moment there to like have like, this is why the Starfleet ideal is important and something to strive towards. That could have been interesting. Tuvok's so driven to understand why it is that Suter did this, that he decides that the only way he's ever going to know is to do a mind meld. And he, they, he straight up just marches down there and goes, we're doing this. It's mid stride. 
he he finishes his he goes down to the brig to pick Suter's mind, leaves, turns around on his heel, and then just beelines it right back in there. Here's another opportunity I think they really missed in the episode because it was so baffling to me. Like, you're about to go do something very drastic. You know, you've got the smoking gun, you've got the guy's admission. It's a case closed, black and white situation. He will not leave it alone. What a perfect time for Tuvok to be, because he's kind of like, you know, I, I want a deeper understanding, but hey, none of this fucking makes any sense. This is this is so bonkers for what we've got going on right now. At no point does any of the, the normal jump to conclusion Star Trek stuff come out. Is there an alien influencer making the crew start killing itself? Am I going crazy? Is he going crazy with space madness? Is this a hallucination? Like all the stuff we always talk about, none of it gets mentioned. Had Tuvok been like, this this is too convenient. I smell a conspiracy or something fucking with us. Maybe it's that crazy, super powerful. What what was the alien species that they encountered that (laughs) that Janeway blew off the security briefing to go under hollow novel? That fucking thing's still flying around out in space. Who knows? You know, and I think that would have been a really good chance for them to be like, nope, turns out it wasn't something else. It it turns out it was just something crazy. But, you know, they don't even mention that that's within the realm of possibility when, in fact, after, you know, two seasons of this, that is always the conclusion. There's always something out. And I think it would make it even more shocking that for, for, you know, the first time ever, it's not starfleet getting manipulated it's just a crazy rotten bad apple i appreciate that they wanted to tell the story i feel like they just kind of rushed into it and some of the things they could have done to make it more sense like tuvok clearly decides to do this because some part of himself that vulcans are generally very uncomfortable acknowledging is disturbed by the lack of logical explanation And he's driven, as he explains, he's driven to understand why this happened in a way that he can process. And so I, his character's motivation for why he chooses to do the meld, I get, but they don't give you enough time to process that or understand that, or, or even after it's over, have him acknowledge why he did it. It's just because they want to tell they want to give Tim Rusty some runway to be crazy, and they do, and it's fucking awesome. They get there. And it the fact that he just kind of runs in and goes, All right, we're mind melding, we're mind melded now. That's where we're at. We're doing it. Didn't feel right to me either. When he did that, when he just mid stride without consulting anybody, brings this and let's assume it was an alien influencer. You know, the last time the crew started acting crazy on itself, again you had some super powerful psychic thing pulling people's strings like a puppet. <laughs> You're going to go directly interface with this guy who might be your patient zero, you know? And it immediately reminded me of a situation in a role-playing game you and I used to play <laughs> when we had to scold many of the other players who would, it was a, ugh, I don't know what I'm talking about. it was a vampire game. Yes, it is. VTM. And there was uh, some demon stuff going on. Infernalism, they called it. And these people would come across like these tainted, crazy, infernal people. And they would drink their blood. And we would be like, no. Why why are you coming across? (laughs) 
why are you coming across this terrible thing? Internet, put internet. In- we we made flowcharts to explain yes. to people not to do this. <laughs> when you put things in your mouth, and when you do not put things in your mouth, and when something is pure fucking evil incarnate, you do not put it in your mouth, Tuvok. <laughs> you don't put the evil Hellraiser guy in your brain. It, it, it it's it's uh, not shocking that it goes poorly. And it's it it strains credulity that he didn't understand not to do that, like that, that there was this risk. And if we had a moment where he decides that their risk is worth it, like that he's an acknowledgement that he's going to take the risk because he just wants to know that bad. And we get a little character from him or something yeah. would have helped explain it. But there's no explanation. There's just a look. He turns around and he's like, mind melt, like brain rapage. I mean, it just it happens. And we're there. And it's Saunders, like, ah, of course, ah. like totally down with it. He's like, oh, you want more? Oh, OK. You want to interact with me further? Sure. I'd love to share my madness with you. Even the guy who's in the brig work in the security console is just kind of like, what? like, and again, it, it was smolder guy. It was smolder guy. Tuvox prone to be inhabited by alien entities from energy clouds and whatnot. Like Tuvok, this has happened like three times before. He just acts completely out of character. Stupid. Like at what point do you start calling people? I'll be like. He should have just zapped Tuvok there, you know, put down the security field like, nope, Zot, uh, you're acting out of character. You're going to the fucking doctor for a DNA check because I believe you are crazy. Tom. But someone someone get howdy duty. He's the new security chief. <laughs> Tuvok is done. Tuvok's demoted. Too many fuck ups. Too many hacks. Howdy um, duty. He's looking good. He's got he's got great pecs. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to put him in charge. So he goes through and it seems like it shakes him a little bit. He finally gets a taste. And now Sonder kind of opens the book up a little bit. He's like, yeah, see, there's just this itch. I can't scratch. I know Tuvok sells him on a little bit. I'm sorry. Tuvok's like, look, uh, we're going to do this thing. You're going to get some cool byproduct because you're going to get some of my um, my great self-control. And maybe in time, you you know, might do you some good. But uh, I want to see what's in there. Lon actually perks up a little bit. It's like, oh, you know, this might scratch at itch i've been having and help me get some insight that's like he doesn't fight it and i don't think he's maliciously welcoming tuvok and i think it's uh he actually buys into tuvok sales pitch on on the benefits for him but yeah so then tuvok goes up to present his findings to janeway who is for some reason not horrified to find out that her uh chief of security just mind melded with the only pure serial killer i think we've ever seen in star trek the nonplussed reaction that she has i mean i guess if you're human do you really understand how this works you understand how it works from a genre fiction perspective but i get that janeway isn't necessarily immediately going to question 150 year old vulcan on his psychic powers i get it tubox clearly disturbed by it though and janeway does bring up like you look a little unsteady and tubox cops to it is like it was weird yeah you know, he says, I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to center myself do some work and, and even myself out after this. And Janeway kind of raises an eyebrow and is like, hey, you know, if you take a couple of days off and demurder yourself, don't don't hesitate. I am pro you doing that. And Tuvok kind of brushes it off a little bit and says, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. That's also where they discuss, though, what's going to happen to him long term. Correct. Yeah. What you were bringing up before. 
and that's kind of where it peaks, where Tuvok's aggression peaks out, because that's when he's bringing up the, you're going to put a dude who murdered a guy who's got kids in his quarters for 70 years. That's, that's bullshit. Why don't we execute she even him? Says, yeah, she even says, like, I want to rehabilitate him. Like, drawing back into the riot that there should be in the corridors, who the fuck is going to want to work around a guy who murdered a guy that wasn't even paying attention, just doing his thing at his station. Like there's these whales, these orca whales that, you know, SeaWorld has. And there was this one whale. It killed three people. The first time was a trainer. The second time was some hobo who jumped the fence into SeaWorld and was swimming around in the pool. The third was another SeaWorld trainer. That third trainer, how did they convince like, okay, the first trainer, sure. The hobo probably didn't know it already killed a trainer, but like who who's going to work around with this fucking killer, like for real killer whale and be like, nah, first two times are just a fluke. I, I this- too watched Blackfish. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah, well, this is Black Eye. Black Eye the Beta Zed. Who- I get it, though. Like, again, these the Federation guys are idealists. They they live in a universe where anyone can be rehabilitated, where where humanity has triumphed over all of its flaws. Like the 24th century is an aspirational humanity. And Janeway is like, well, OK, well, you know what? Uh, we're going to get through to this guy. We're going to find a way. Right. That's the can do Federation spirit. I don't fault her for that. I actually like what Tuvok had to say of this isn't going to work and we should kill him. Because he would eat us and wear our faces. And he welcomes death. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He knew what's going to happen and he is cool with it. And then Janeway gets real righteous. She's like, you know, I don't, I can't condone murder and and this and that. And murder is disgusting. And it's funny because then, you know, we roll back over to the earlier officer meeting where we established that Chakotay and Balana and the rest of the maquis crew all have confirmed murder kills and she's just fine and dandy working shoulder to shoulder with these guys who have very quickly quickly but you know have absolutely embraced um murder as a as a means so this isn't a bad episode i guess i want to say that like it's just that it could have been something great it's i think you said it's a solid watch and i would agree and the part that is a solid watch is about to happen but there's this concept could have been so much better than it was. And I don't think it's nineties TV is a good excuse because TNG was doing stuff at this level and superior effectively, even years prior, a whole ep courtroom episodes about the nature of machine sentience. Star Trek is good at this when it's good at this. And this is the kind of thing it can do well. And it just pure to Voyager form. Just not quite right. Just didn't sloppy execution. Your reflection here, I think, brings up another ongoing issue with Voyager. We talk about, you know, failed potential and failure to achieve. I think part of the vehicle of that frequent failure is that Voyager will say, hey, I want an episode where Tuvok gets unhinged and shows emotion or i want an episode where we're going to have harry kim 
have a, a Mary Sue adventure or here's this thing we want to get to and we're going to rush to it. And the destination you want to go, sometimes it's a good destination. Like here, when we do get some Tuvok emotion, sometimes it's shitty like the, you know, uh, Harry Kim bullshit adventure. But a lot of times that quick journey in there, the ripples, I think, are where the real story could be. Like, you know, we're talking about here, how does Starfleet react to one of their own being murdered? How does, you know, Janeway reconcile the fact she's working, you know, she's really had to bring up the morality of murder and this other stuff. It creates all these interesting questions and just completely ignores all of it because it just it was like a little kid that just wanted the lollipop. They didn't pay attention to any of the other stuff on the shelves as they they beelined it through the candy store to get there. And they they went by all the good stuff and kind of leaves you wondering what if so. Do you think do you think it's because it's a network television show and not made for syndication? You keep going back to that. I, I think it's just. I th- I think that they wanted something lighthearted. Again, I can't speak from a position of authority on Deep Space Nine, but it sounds like a lot of the depth, you know, Ron Moore was doing over in Deep Space Nine, and maybe there was just a disconnect with some of the Trek fans that thought it was too mature, or they wanted something more space more adventure. Ideal. Yeah, I got space you. adventure you know bubble gum and and more i want to say shallow but less i don't know i get it i get it but let's let's move forward so he leaves and uh he goes down to the mess hall and uh tuva or i'm sorry neelix has been bothering him trying to get a smile at him for whatever fucking reason talking about you know what goofy holiday he's going to embrace from the vulcan you know days gone by and he starts fucking with Tuvok and like putting a finger on Tuvok's mouth like arching it into a smile like touching his face like way over the line of what is acceptable in personal space and all that and Tuvok fucking snaps and puts this dude in the kung fu grip it's glorious because the tension they build in the scene with his reactions growing slowly more and more angry. And you know that he's, you know, what's going to happen, right? Like, you know that this is going to be about how he did the, the mind meld and suddenly he's going to be a murder bot. So you're just waiting for the moment he decides to throw some violence all over snarf snarf. You're like, you're itching for it. It's this anticipation. And the more Neelix gets obnoxious and then starts like forcibly giving a smile, you're like, do it do it drown that filthy space cat do it they they throw a little curveball in there though because like right at the point where he's like poking his face you'd figure it snap there and then neelix backs off a little bit and tuvok's like eh, you know what fuck it i'm gonna get you after all so he <laughs> kind of like fakes you out a little bit and he chokes the shit out of him and he gets neelix up against the wall in this chokehold and he's actually pushing on him so hard that like uh, Ethan Phillips like head prosthetic starts sliding down yeah. on his face and, and you can see like the top of his head start pushing into his forehead. Did you the, see his uh, new contacts in this episode? Holy shit. Like those yellow eyes. Did, did they think no one would notice that his eyes are different? <laughs> Holy I fuck. didn't notice his eyes were different. What? Oh my God. <laughs> Never mind. Fuck. All right. I, I, take I it don't back. know. Maybe I just saw it and thought that maybe that was the way it always was, but no, he's got cat eyes now. It was crazy. 
he's so the the character's so ugly that the less I'm looking at him in his discount African cane garb, the happier I am. But so he chokes him, and you're like, all right, uh, at what point is he gonna stop? And he doesn't, and he just fucking kills Neelix. You don't know if he's knocked <laughs> out. You don't know if he's dead. <laughs> No, I'm no, sitting there, I'm he's thinking, got that like, vacant, I'm dead. Look, he's dead. And I'm like, how did? How is he going to repair this friendship? Because even if he's just like knocked out, it's going to be like, hey, sorry, I was under the influence of uh Oh no, I wasn't under the influence of anything. It was my own actions completely that brought us this. But so he kills uh, Neelix, and then he says, uh, "Computer and simulation." You're like, wow, Tuvok's got like a fucking murder snuff fantasy he's playing out here. It's it's uh, it's a nice. Uh, preview for what's to come um i think we get a little bit more with commander no fun breaking up tom's little gambling ring but i think we've said enough about that skip please suitor it's pretty subtle because tuvok goes back to talk to lon suitor i want to go back to this i'm sorry i want to go back to this you go back to the tom paris uh food lottery You've got all these Starfleet people just blown off steam, hanging out in the fucking J.O. fantasy border, right? Talking about their their lottery winnings. Nobody's talking about the first murder on the ship at all. It is just a jovial, (laughs) happy fucking scene of people standing around playing pool. And that's what really drove this home to be like, no one gives a fuck. This guy blasted a Starfleet dude in the back of the head, and they're over there fucking raffling off potato chips. So that's what makes me think that this was a, a separate, you know, filming location that or just a completely separate production that got inserted into this episode. There is zero bleed through. It is infuriating. I think that it was probably not conceived of at the same. I think that this was purposely put into this episode. It may have been shot around that time. But when they thought of this thread that they were going to start putting into some of these episodes, and this is the first hint of it. um, they didn't really associate it with the rest of the plot line. They just found a place to fit it in. That's what it feels like to me. Um, but yeah, it's dumb. It's just, it's like an ep- it's a part of a different episode. Like it just doesn't belong here. It's completely schizophrenic. But whatever. but uh, in in our a plot, Tuvok has gone back down to see Suter, and Suter, the actor, is playing kind of interesting. He plays this kind of subtle. He's got uh, Tuvok's mannerisms, he's holding his hands behind his back. He's much more calm. He demonstrates that the swap has had the uh, alternative effect on him. And now he's, I'm good. I'm not feeling murdery. This is, this is really great. Never felt like this before. This is awesome. I love it. And uh, Tuvok is, you know, the more time has gone on, obviously we now know from his, his cat killing fantasy in the, in the holodeck that, uh murder tuvok is definitely on the rise you know you see tuvok feeling more agitated uh more angry and Suter points that out and basically tells him yeah yeah this is you're fucked now you've got the murder in you i gave you my murder aids so enjoy that have a day it's actually a pretty cool scene i want to roll back to something i just realized This is the first time I've seen in any of the Star Treks where there are people in the crew who actively really don't like each other to the point where they are selecting them for death. Tuvok knew going into this holodeck simulation that he was probably going to kill somebody. He chose to murder Neelix. And (laughs) back in Hollow Pursuits, no, Projections, 
you know, the doctor figures or, you know, was led to believe that he is in control of the entire simulation. He actively singles out Tom Paris and deletes his program out of spite and malice. This is a very angry crew we're dealing with here. These are like dudes that are like openly wishing death on other people. But yeah, getting into the the, the suitor thing. Yeah, he, he calls him on it. And you see that suitor kind of knew and maybe was was hiding from Tuvok the infectious quality of this itch to murder. And it's an interesting exchange that they have because like you said, he rolls in and suitors like, Hey, you know, you really hooked me up. I like this. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, can we, or, you know, two like, well, it's not going to last. And he's like, can you tutor me this and that? And it's like two pissed at this guy. And he came down obviously to like get some questions answered to vent some hostility at him. But at the same time, he's kind of like, yeah, I, I could tutor you and, you know, we could we could move through this. So it's like he's got two faces here. His normal face is kind of like just an inconvenience. He's trying to dance around to get to a point where he can let the anger out. And then the conversation gets really erotic, I think, as <laughs> okay. Scooter starts talking about uh, how much he's been thinking about the mind meld and rape metaphors and the penetration and forcing yourself. And it could be a murder. And I see how you could murder someone with a, you know, while you're forcing your will on them, if you just let the whole thing go. And they really get into some slash fiction territory, I think. <laughs> I, I didn't get, uh, I didn't get a fuck vibe, my friend. Um, it's not a fuck vibe. It's like a, a creepy murder rape vibe like go back and and just rewatch the scene like i think it is overtly sexual and I, you know uh, i'm going cool. to now i i didn't get that vibe at all uh i guess i i just find suitor so off-putting my mind didn't go there but means a compliment yeah. but uh i'll give it another watch I'll, I'll test that out i'll report back to our social media on after this is published if i agree with you or not but to uh to move things along the rest of the episode is essentially Tuvok's descent into madness. And we get some real high quality Timrus. Um, ultimately, Tuvok's, I guess, mental control fails him. And he has to be treated in sick bay with essentially brain restarts to try and get his morality to reassert itself. The explanation the doctor gives is that the fact, even though Suter is himself not uh, psychic because um, he's from a psychic species, the mind meld with him has had uh, an, an after effect that was unanticipated in terms of Tuvok kind of getting stuck with these violent impulses he can't control. As part of that, you get to what they really wanted to do, which is having Tim Russ just cut loose as evil Tuvok and say really hurtful things in sick bay, particularly to Janeway and the doctor. And I mean, it, it almost shows how wasted Tim Russ as an actor is on Tuvok. Why give such a good actor, a character that can never show emotion because evil Tuvok is very compelling. I want to see more of this guy. I would love to see his hot takes about what Voyager is doing. It's, it's a brief window into a world we do not get to inhabit. Yeah, so Tuvok trashes his own room, calls up to Janeway and says, uh, I done fucked up and <laughs> I'm crazy now. And uh, Janeway 
the ever the trap queen. I, I really thought it would have been good if she would have got a Vulcan neck pinch out of this. Like two Vox on the far end of the room, like, do not come in here. I'm super dangerous. I know Kung Fu. Literally. <laughs> I have contemplated all of the Kung Fu's I know. This is kind of what he says. This is not too much of high hyperbole. Yeah, he's like, uh, I counted 94 different ways I can kill people with my hands. Just please stay over there. I'm sick in the head. She like walks halfway into the fucking room like Janeway, you total trap queen. (laughs) Every time he says not to do something, she immediately does it in this scene. Don't come any further. Steps into the room. Don't come in. Are you retarded? Don't come any further. Comes closer. Are you just is your brain? Did you have a brain incident in the transporter? And that's why you're you're fucking just welcoming this stuff because it's really a uh it's a it's a good representation of how she treats the ship but so yeah they get him up to sick bay they zonk him out they got these big cereal boxes taped on the sides of his temples and they erect a force field around like the main medical bay and they're like all right from all this uh vulcan meditation they their brain is actually involved to a point where they've got like chemical regions now that that add to this lack of emotion suppressing right Correct. and like you just said Suter again being a terrible beta z uh his psychic powers don't work at all not only can't he use empathy psychics on uh other people he can't even feel his own emotions so he has just completely thrown uh tuvox ph off balance and they're going to reboot his brain and that means completely shutting off this malfunctioning area so he is going to just be pure and for whatever reason they decide to bring him back awake for this so he could just suffer and embarrass himself but they bring him up and you're calling him evil Tuvok and I suppose by Star Trek standards he is an evil Tuvok but uh, you know like we saw earlier in his last encounter with Suter it's like he's not just pure Maleficence he's not pure murder right he has core values that are in place he has beliefs that are in place and what you're getting is an unfiltered Tuvok you know he wants to kill Suter in the name of justice in the name of uh of of you know Hammurabi right Mm -hmm. is that just is that just uh him coming up with a reason to explain the murder impulse or is that the way that Tuvok really feels and now he's not filtering out the way he says and like you said he, he dropped some hot takes and he throws some pretty good insults, well-deserved insults, at Janeway. And he eventually tries, like, you know, grabbing her through the through the force field. And I want to give big credit to Tim Russ here, because it's rare that you see a black character on a TV show get unhinged and go, you know, both barrels and do it without coming off as ghetto. And I kept expecting to kind of have, like, this this kind of like ghetto hood vibe to it. And it doesn't, he, he plays the whole thing clinically, but there's a lot of emotion and it was just a really good, and you could still feel the, the Vulcan vibes in it. Yeah. I was, I was going to say the similar thing. Like he felt like a Vulcan who was embracing anger and violence. And that's what made it really cool. There's a curiosity. There's still a logic to it. Um, There's a lot of layers to the performance it's very, very strong acting and seeing him spread his wings at this moment makes his portrayal of Tuvok. So seeing him abandon, it's really the big change for me was the abandonment of all of his mannerisms, right? He, mm-hmm. he went from very stiff with minimal movements to hands 
uh, hand gestures, pacing, looking around the environment, and seeing all that, seeing that he could do that, and seeing how he has chosen to play Tupac, I think adds a lot of depth to the portrayal of that character. Not just a flat, boring Vulcan, but a very concise and conscious effort to present Tuvok in the light he does throughout the series. I, I wish that there was more opportunity as the show went on for us to see more of Tim Russ doing more range. I think that uh, the limitations of the character he is given uh, as a disservice, I think that um, this is like the weakness of having Vulcan main characters when they're not played by someone as legendary as Leonard Nimoy. Um, but that being what it is, uh, it's great. And uh, ultimately, you know, just to wrap up our discussion of the actual episode, the end of it comes to Tuvok essentially offering to kill Suter himself, which he, uh, which of course no one is interested in having him do. And he, he affects a jailbreak. And, you know, obviously not surprising to all of us. He gets down to where Suter is. Suter is okay with being murdered. Uh, but lays down a speech essentially warning Tuvok that he really shouldn't because once he goes down that path, it's there's no coming back from it. And I'd say the only weak part about this is that the guy, the actor who's playing Suter clearly did not memorize that speech. You can actually see him reading cue cards <laughs> in the scene and Ooh. he's not delivering it with the same kind of uh, level of preparedness. He did everything else. Uh, but the point was, you know, still made, which is that um, he's now in the role of Tuvok attempting to counsel Tuvok about controlling his own emotions. And ultimately, while there's a moment where Tuvok looks like he might brain murder him using some sort of super violent, you know, mind milled technique, uh, he ultimately doesn't. And Suter calls for uh, for backup to uh, to have Tuvok taken back up to sick bay where he ultimately recovers. Cradles him like a little baby. And so the idea here is that Suter has changed. He's not murdery anymore. And Tuvok is going back to normal. And Janeway tells Tuvok he's not allowed to do mind melds anymore, which is like the most sensible thing that comes out of the episode. But they don't they don't uh, do much with uh, with Suter talking about Suter the rest of this episode, aside from the fact he's confined. But they do return to him in the future. I'm happy to say. I'm looking forward to that. And if I were to fix this episode and, and use it as a real growth point instead of kind of like, and I'm glad to hear it's not a real bottle episode, but I think the interesting thing to do here, and maybe part of the reason why Spock was a better TV choice for the Vulcans, because he was half human. You know, he did still have that capacity to break. And I think this would have been a real good opportunity for the writers to build in a achilles tendon for tuvok where this did permanently fracture him and he did have to start working really hard to keep real talk tuvok in check and that you could have some moment of weakness I like, episodes I like, I like real talk tuvok it's it's good i it's funny you say that perhaps maybe a lesson was learned here because in enterprise they go down a road like that with their vulcan main character like T'Pol has a transformational moment during the show and that affects her character from that point forward in a way where there is a she has a problem she has a a psychic issue something that changes everything about her character and how she interacts with everybody and everything about her from that point forward is impacted by 
how she has to manage that condition. Mm. So that that is really funny because I think maybe they agreed with you that this was a lost opportunity and that because Tuvok's so unchanging, it makes him not compelling. And like you said, Spock, half human, instant drama, something there for, for Leonard Nimoy to play and he does it well. With Tapol later on, something happens. It deeply impacts what we've known about her to that point and everything going forward and gives uh, the actor uh, more space to, to do interesting things with the character. Tuvok's just got that, he's just got that hypocrisy that, you know, he respects the captain so much and blah, 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 yet, you know, he's <laughs> beaming down to the surface of the Skevians to wheel and deal stolen technology. And then telling her that she's fucking terrible at his job. It's like, the, that she's, like, disgusts them, like, all this, all that, that, that real talk was cutting to the core. I just um, wanted more than anything him to be like, and don't you ever lecture anybody on the Prime Directive after that bullshit and caretaker station. You've got zero credibility. No dice. Overall, right, it was good. And uh, I, I don't, I, you know, if I'm sounding super critical, it's just that I see it in context. And the context is, this is the kind of episode other Star Trek shows do super well. Whether it's TNG, you know, doing episodes about drumhead court marshals and paranoia whether it's ds9 doing episodes about prosecuting war criminals and losing yourself in the process uh, of getting vengeance or even if it's enterprise of what you're willing to do to survive or maintain you know the safety and security of your species for whatever reason among all Berman era trek voyager's the one that just takes these big swings at these big heady themes and manages to just fucking foul tip the ball and just not it's quite the, connect. It's the, uh, it's the writers, because I, I think what I'm learning here is the actors have the juice to pull the stuff off when they have the opportunity. And the writing room is just not giving them the opportunity to go the, the right directions and really drive the point home. Uh, I like the episode. I'm very happy to hear that uh, this character is going to come back. I think they really developed something interesting to play with down the road. And I look forward to seeing how they uh, how they bust out Chucky again. All right, man. What what's next? What are we gonna What are we gonna review? We're gonna jump into season two, episode seventeen. I see uh, Torres. I see Paris looking at her. Maybe they're dipping their head into this uh, security closet where they just found the dead guy. Dreadnought Voyager comes across a ship that has been destroyed, and upon investigation, discovers that Belana Torres is responsible. Yeah, I remember this one. I remember this one. This is uh kind of stupid so i think the hateful journey will be fully back on track next week if i was going to make this a good episode i would say that uh somehow they were able to reverse engineer her her new hearts for the, the crappy robot men of prototype and that they're rampaging through the galaxy and now she's responsible but of course we know they don't touch any of that stuff again so this will be fresh bullshit yes rule of acquisition peter go ahead like Tuvok going into the uh, produce and just grabbing the first rotten apple he can find and putting it in his fucking mouth. <laughs> Sorry. Always inspect the merchandise before making a deal. Whew. Man, if only he followed that advice. Yeah. Don't put the evil in your mouth, Tuvok. Don't do it, man. Follow the flowchart. If it's evil, don't make a deal with it. <laughs> don't don't should eat we, it. Should we get the flowchart and put it up on the site? Do you still I, have it? I do. <laughs> And I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. 
All right. Thanks for listening to VG. Please, hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. I am Joseph. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Peace.